Frontier Missions Journal. Stories of hope for the unreached with Adventist Frontier Missions. My name is Beth Williams, and I work with the Muslims of Central Asia. This is a project we've been with for about 15 years now, and I'd like to share a story with you today about our neighbors. I want to share this story because it is representative of the interactions we have with people on a day-to-day basis where we are working. We're blessed to have some land where we like to grow a garden, and most days from spring through autumn when the weather is warm, we spend some time tending our garden. Our retired backdoor neighbor Matthew and his wife are always interested in how our garden is going. He's often in his yard chopping wood or cutting up fruit for his chickens, and he likes to look over the fence and see what we're doing. Hey neighbor, he'll yell across the fence, how's it going? And we always go over to the fence to greet him and talk about life. And sometimes we just talk for a minute. And other times we stand by the fence for an hour as he tells us things like the entire history of all the jobs he's ever had. We've learned quite a bit about local and regional history from Matthew. 70-year-old Matthew lives under one roof with his wife and his two adult daughters. Until recently, his college-aged granddaughter was also living with them. During the first winter that we were there, Matthew's wife, Patty, slipped on some ice and broke her right wrist. At the time, I was tutoring their granddaughter, Melanie, in English. I went to their home a couple times each week and was able to visit with Patty for a little while before going home each time. She shared with me her concerns that she would never again regain full use of her hand, which meant she wouldn't be able to do many simple tasks like pouring tea for guests, writing, or tying her headscarf. When the time came to remove her cast, it was clear that she needed physical therapy. However, physical therapy is not a profession that exists in our area. We have multiple family members back in the United States who are physical therapists, and With their guidance, I developed a therapy routine and began visiting Patty three times a week to do therapy with her. At the end of our first therapy session, I said to Patty, You know, therapy is good and helpful, but I'd like to pray for your wrist in the name of Jesus and ask him to heal you. We know from the Bible that Jesus has power to heal, and I believe he'll help you regain the use of your hand as well. Would it be okay with you if I pray in Jesus' name for your healing? Sure, please do, Patty replied. So I prayed. Mighty God, thank you for my friend Patty. Ask that you'd heal her wrist and help her to regain full use of her hand. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, said Patty. Thank you so much for helping me and for praying. I continued my frequent visits and Patty's hand slowly improved. Each visit ended with prayer and our prayer time gradually began to include other requests as well. 
We prayed for her daughter to find work, and not long after that, she found a job. We prayed for good health, and no one got sick. Patty was convinced of the power of prayer. One day, for some reason, I was in a rush and I forgot to pray before leaving Patty's house. The next time I visited, she said, You forgot to pray last time. Don't forget to pray for us. My heart thrilled to hear her express her faith. After months of doing therapy, we finally stopped. Patty felt she had progressed to the point of not needing my help with the therapy. Because the bones had not been aligned properly when they set them, they didn't heal properly either, but she's regained the use of her hand. She can do all the things she was worried that she was never going to be able to do again. One day, Matthew, her husband, greeted us with some surprising words. Melanie, up and left, he shouted over the fence to me as I surveyed the remains of our garden. Autumn had arrived, and with the frost, most plants had shriveled and died. The strangeness of Matthew's comments about his 18-year-old granddaughter jerked me out of my thoughts. Melody had been studying English with me and was in her first year at the local community college. I puzzled for a minute about what he might mean. Where'd she go, I asked, hoping to get enough information to understand what this conversation was about. To a man, he exclaimed with a surprised look on his face. Thinking quickly, I realized that Matthew was telling me his granddaughter had eloped. I sensed the total surprise he and his wife were feeling, and I began to wonder what would happen next. Would they become estranged from their granddaughter? Would she and her new husband, an 18-year-old classmate at the local college, abandon their studies and go back to his hometown? How would their relationship with their granddaughter be affected? So, does that mean I shouldn't plan to come over for our English study session? I asked. Uh, we'll contact you about that, he answered, and then continued. First, we need to have the face-opening ceremony with our new in-laws. Then we can figure things out. A couple days later, Matthew invited me to come to their house that evening for the face-opening. When I arrived, the home was brimming full, mainly with relatives of the two families. The table was laden with treats, and the guests sat around talking. After a short wait, Melanie and her new husband Ron arrived. There were some interesting formalities, during which the young man's family presented a dowry and Melanie's family accepted the gifts. Following the gifts, the young couple entered the room with the bride's face covered by a veil. Melanie's face was opened when they lifted the veil, and hugs were exchanged all around. Then the young couple went to the table in the other room where most of the young relatives and friends were sitting. I opted to stay in the room where Matthew and his wife were sitting with the older relatives. While I couldn't understand everything that was said that evening, I clearly heard the elders in the room giving wise counsel. They admonished the bride and groom's parents and grandparents and other relatives to support the young couple and not to criticize them or make their life difficult. Visit them often and give them tips on how to live, said the elders. If they struggle or have arguments, help them resolve the problem. Welcome them into your homes and encourage them to finish their studies. My heart was warmed as I saw the love displayed by the community. Shortly after the face opening, Melanie contacted me to set up a time to resume our English studies. When I arrived, both Melanie and Ron were there. He's never studied much English, but they announced to me that he was wanting to study too. They quickly developed a sort of competition between them that spurred them on to faster learning. We've had several sessions now, and Ron's making steady gains. Soon the two will be at the same level. 
Each visit, when we finish studying, we enjoy a light meal or a cup of tea with the whole family. We share our lives and talk about community happenings. Before I leave, Melanie's grandmother, Patty, always requests that I pray for them and their family. She believes it makes a difference in their lives. In June of 2020, we had to return to the U.S. because of the global coronavirus pandemic. The day we were leaving, we called to Matthew and Patty over the fence to say goodbye. Patty's last request was, Please pray for us one more time, and don't forget to pray for us while you're gone, too. Sensing an opening and remembering the last spare Bible we had back in our house, I had a sudden idea. We should give the Bible to Matthew and Patty. I ran back to the house, grabbed the Bible, and returned to give it to our neighbors. They gratefully accepted the book, and we all bowed our heads in prayer. Loving God, please watch over our neighbors as we're apart, keep them healthy, protect them from harm, and bring us all safely together again. In Jesus' name, amen. I prayed. As we opened our eyes, I could see their gratitude and their sadness at our parting. Please keep this precious family in your prayers with us. Pray that they'll read the Bible and that they'll continue to see answers to prayer in their lives. Friends, do you feel God is calling you to do more for Him? In our world today, one in three people have never heard the good news of salvation. Yet, in our part of the world, people hear the gospel over and over again. Why not be one of those found working in the vineyards, so to speak, when Jesus comes? So I'm going to challenge you. A challenge to give a tithe of your life to full-time mission service. A tithe. 10%. 7 to 8 years. Adventist Frontier Missions can help you go. And we provide in-depth training and home office support to wherever God sends you. Take a look at some of our mission calls today at afmonline.org and select the Serve tab to learn more about these mission opportunities and the types of service available. Get involved today. The rewards are, well, heavenly. During the time when I was helping Patty and doing physical therapy for her hand, I had an interesting experience with their dog, which I like to share with the children because I think it has a good lesson for them to remember. Do you like dogs? I like dogs, but a lot of the dogs where we live are really serious guard dogs. They're kind of vicious. Our neighbors have a dog. His name is Blackie, and he's black, and he's also a serious guard dog. He might win an award as a guard dog. He takes his work so seriously. Blackie is so vicious that they actually keep him chained up in their yard because they're worried about what he might do if somebody came when he wasn't chained up. So in the beginning, I was a little bit worried about visiting our neighbors because I thought, what will Blackie do to me? But Blackie always was chained up in his corner and I got used to having Blackie in the corner. He would bark and snarl and lunge on his chain and you could hear the chain making its rattling noise as he pulled on the chain. One day, I was visiting our neighbors and when I was getting ready to leave, they had given me a bottle of milk as a gift and I had a glass bottle of milk in my hand and we were walking from the house out towards the gate at the front of their property. I could hear barking from Blackie in the corner and his chain rattling, but I didn't think much of it because that was how he always acted. But suddenly, Blackie was at my heels, biting my foot and pulling on my clothes. We had a scuffle. 
It was just kind of wild. It really only lasted five or maybe ten seconds, but before it was all said and done, I had been bitten by the dog, I had fallen on top of the glass bottle and cut my hand, and we were all in shock. Thankfully, Blackie's owners were able to control Blackie and they got a hold of him right away and I wasn't seriously injured and we all sat down to catch our breath. Blackie's owners, our neighbors, provided some first aid to me. They brought out hydrogen peroxide and they cleaned my cuts and the places where Blackie had bitten me and they apologized over and over and they felt so sorry that Blackie had attacked me. And they promised, we're going to get a brand new chain. We didn't know his chain was rusty. It must have broken because of rust. And we're going to get a muzzle and we'll put it on him so that you never have to worry. We don't want you to be afraid when you come to our house. So I said, it's okay. And, you know, God gave me grace to be forgiving and not upset that their dog had attacked me. And I went home. And later I was thinking about this experience and I was reminded of a verse in the Bible. In the book of Genesis, you probably know the story of Cain and Abel. And after Cain killed his brother, Abel, God came and talked to Cain and he said in Genesis 4, 6 and 7, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. In the local language Bible where we work, this verse is actually translated using an idiom, and it says that sin is like a wild dog crouching outside your door waiting to attack you. So I want you to remember that sin is like Blackie, and it wants to come and get you and really hurt you, but with God's power, we can overcome sin, and we don't have to be afraid of it. To adopt a missionary to your family, point your browser to afmonline.org. Once there, just click on the Missionaries tab. That's afmonline.org. Thank you for listening to Frontier Missions Journal. God bless.